Welcome to Cat Chat. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Here we go. Another glorious Tuesday. Morning. It's morning this time. We have been mixing things up like crazy. Now we're in the morning. Luckily, luckily, Tyler, we have Park Place Java to get me through the morning. So that's right. <laughs> get you going. Yeah. 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 So we got a lot of cool things. Really, really, really cool, interesting topic uh, with the, the NIL, the uh, uh, name, image, and likeness that's going to be happening. We're going to talk about that, the ever-changing landscape of that. Uh, we're going to, we're heading to Tyler and I heading, well, actually all three of us, Michelle, I guess as well, is going to Kansas City on Saturday, but we're all heading to Kansas City. Um, Tyler's being honored. Um, and Tyler, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't be your plus one. So I, I, I can't believe I, you're turning me down, man. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. Like Tyler, had, I was going to wear a red dress and, and he's going to have like the red bouquet um, from like prom. We had a prom picture. Yeah, all we had everything and... coordinated. <laughs> Yeah, your your mom already sent me pictures, and so, um, <laughs> but Tyler is being honored, um, uh, and, and so that's that that is a really cool deal. So Tyler's being honored uh, as the coach of the region um, and regional staff of, of the year. So that's really cool to be honored there. So, um, but a, as always, we uh, today's episode is uh, brought to you by Park Place. Java. You can order this coffee online, have it shipped directly to your house with subscription-based parkwitzjava.com. Never, ever run out of coffee again. That's the problem. You run out of coffee. So quality coffee shipped to your door. Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is CapChat. All right. I do want to remind the folks, Tyler. Did I get that right of what you're being honored for? Regional staff of the of the year. I, I don't think. I don't feel I'm saying it correctly. I, I'm not giving you due justice. <laughs> that that is due justice. That is actually right on. Good for you. Oh. I'm very proud. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, I was going to be your date, so that's what my that's what my uh, my invitation said. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'll just <laughs> no, that, that's that, really now. Cool. I, mean, I got to re- slum it up. Find someone else on the streets. Go to. Um, I, you know, I, I was going to randomly throw out a dating app, but the only thing I thought of was Craigslist. That was a, I, ironically, that was the first thing that came to my mind, too, because I thought you were going to put me down. You were just going to say, just go to Craig- Craigslist earlier. There's someone in Kansas City. I'll go is, on a date with you. Is is Craigslist still a thing? I think so. It, I, I imagine. Oh it's got a bad rep, but people still use it. I'm afraid to even type that into my browser. I don't even know what will come. I'll get a call from Rush like, hey, um, <laughs> Why were you looking? Why were you on Craigslist? <laughs> oh my God! I think that's where murderers go. Like I think every Hallmark movie starts with he was on Craigslist. <laughs> Someone browsing like oh you were, my yeah. gosh! Oh man! I'm gonna have to. Look. I'm gonna put my browser on incognito and start. And... <laughs> Well, let's get into it because I do want we, we, Michelle's going to be joining us um, from the from the NIL network and um, super fascinating thing. I want to make sure we give her due justice and and but um, we'll, we'll head right into uh, we're going to say hi to to Ruthie and uh, with Tyler's trends here. I tend to think of myself as a one man wolf pack, and my wolf pack grew by one. It's time for Tyler's trends. 
Well, Josh, weirdly, <clears throat> if you've been on Twitter at all, you've noticed that there is an uptick once again in uh, ID camp season. This is the the winter season. Mm-hmm. If you're if your school is uh, typically wealthy enough to have an indoor facility, uh, you had an ID camp. Or if you're in a warm enough location, you probably had an ID camp one of these last weekends as you saw uh, a big upswing. And, and, and then, of course, coming up a little bit later, before a lot of high school seasons start um, or are ending in some states, you know, the college coaching carousel has jumped on the ID camp wagon once again. And so... Tyler's trend is as uh, a big reminder as we approach these camps and we leave these camps to focus on one word. It seems like two words, Josh, but it's one word that you might forget about uh, as you leave camp. And hey, that was a cool experience, this and that. But feedback, how can you get feedback? Please, in the recruiting process, feedback. don't forget about feedback. So most of the camps that you will attend, uh, the coaching staff will... Uh, instruct you on, uh, A, how to get feedback. This is the, the way that our coaching staff prefers to do it. You know, maybe they can't talk to you directly, things like that. So there are channels in which you can go through to make sure that you get the feedback that you need. But ultimately, that feedback is is important. Um, you know, if you go to uh, a really big school and, and, and you are one of many kids at the camp, there's a good chance you might not be uh, of the eight kids they're recruiting at, at that camp for that school, right? So you have to figure out the way that that you can get the feedback you need other than just showing up to the camp and, and playing. How can you get better, right? Um, and most of those coaches have a system set up in place to where they can give you that feedback. So take advantage of that for sure. Are you, do you see, obviously as a coach yourself, you ha- you're hosting ID camps. Are you, Do kids is that one of the most missed things? Like after the camp, like if you have 30 kids come to your ID camp, how many kids follow up with you afterwards? If we had 30, honestly, it'd be about five. <laughs> oh. And, and uh, of those five, I would say most of those are just kids saying thank you, which is great and professional and something you should still do. Uh, but it's not usually like, hey, also, can you give me some feedback on what you thought of me as a player positives and, and improvements? That's, I mean, that's, and I've heard the same thing. So when you, you know, when you look at the word feedback, I've heard the same thing about showcases. You know, they, they don't even send a follow-up email or they don't, um, it's the number one thing they don't even do. Like, especially ID camps, you're paying money. Right. And most of the time that you're going, maybe get a hotel room the night before, whatever it is, you're paying all this money to not follow up. That seems. Hmm. Yeah. And, and. And I like, so for me, when I work, you know, like a power five conference, um, ID camp, like I, I put in work, like I have a roster of kids that I'm in charge of. And then I, I yeah. put in work on all the things that they do well and need improvement on. And I submit that to the coaching staff there. Now they'll never say like, Hey Tyler, all, all of these kids got back to us and checked their feedback. So I don't, maybe, maybe all of my kids always do, but I, I just have this feeling that that's not the case. Um, but if, you know, the coach that you worked with or is with you the most uh, of that time is, is putting in the effort to give you feedback, you seek that feedback out and, and improve yourself as a player. And, and take it yeah, that- and take it in stride. Don't be offended by it or anything, right? Take it and be like, okay, this is something that I can improve on. This coach doesn't isn't, – isn't controlling my playing time anywhere in my life, so they have nothing to judge me on other than to be objective. 
Hmm. I have been asked for feedback, and I gave feedback, and it turned into an argument <laughs> right. with, 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 with a mom. I'm like, then why did you ask me for feedback? <laughs> you know, that's what I told. I was like, I. I Please don't ask me for feedback if that's not what you want. Right. Um, right. I, I can just <laughs> if you just want the positive stuff, then you yeah, just ask me yeah. that. Y- you had matching socks <laughs> and you had a cool hair scrunchie. Um, that's you're you're welcome. <laughs> we both wore the number twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, moron. Um, so anyway, so let's. Uh, so I want to so. We're going to bring on uh, Michelle. Uh, is uh, Michelle uh, Meyer is from the NIL Network. NIL is a massive, massive thing happening right now in college, and I'm playing the uh, the the money. There you go. It's all about making money for these college students right now um, in the NIL. So Michelle is um, NILnetwork.com, and talk. We're going to talk a little bit about what that is and how it affects kids and. Um, Kind of go from there. So, M- Michelle, welcome. Um, welcome to Cap Chat. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Having yeah, absolutely. So let's let's start with the the, the basics here. Um, and we mentioned the NIL. Um, what what is the N- what is NIL? Yeah. So uh, NIL stands for Name, Image, and Likeness, and they're the three components of your rights to publicity, which is something that. Whether every uh, citizen in the United States knows it or not, it's something that they do have the right to. Um, and college athletes up until July of last year did not. So at the very kind of like basic tangible level, it's, if you're thinking about jerseys with like the last name of the athlete on the back, that's using their name. Um, image, obviously, what they're looking like and likeness is any kind of nicknames, sayings, slogans, things like that. So. Uh, we're about six months in yet now, seven months almost. Um, and probably the top thing that we're seeing really is the on the social media side. So mm. endorsing products, services uh, for companies is probably the most common way that college athletes have taken advantage of it so far. Well, and so you say prior to that is, and the big example, obviously, you 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 know the, those big big powerhouse football basketball programs. I think are probably the most known is that. The schools are making, you know, millions and I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars off, off their last name. And the minute they use that name to say, "Hey, I'm Josh Tyler with Duke University," NCAA said, "No, you can't." Um, what was what was the tipping point here that happened from when NCAA finally said, "Hey, this is we're, we're hands off now." What 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 kind of what pushed that? Yeah, so the, the conversation's been going on for probably the last decade, and I think it really kind of came to the public um, forefront. More we see with social media, it's cutting out kind of that middleman of the media, the reporter. It used to be to gain access to any kind of celebrities that you'd have to go through an interview process with the newspaper. That's how you're reading about those celebrities. And now with social media, there's more direct contact. So a lot of brands and businesses have shifted to using these social media influencers to promote their products to, I mean, I come from the beach volleyball world. So a very easy example for me is with sunscreen. A sunscreen company would be very, very advantageous for them to partner with a a college beach volleyball athlete or even a professional athlete because most of the people who follow them are into the sport or how, Mm. you know, they're they're beachy type people. So, um, yeah, I think that social media influencing kind of pushed it to the forefront. And then in terms of the incident play finally changing their rules, um, in fall of 2019, California actually was the first state to pass an NIL bill 
it was meant to go into effect, I think January 2023 was their initial date. So they gave mm-hmm. the NCAA some time to come around and change the rules. Um, and then at springtime last year, so almost a year ago, um, Florida's bill was going into effect on July 1st. And it really put pressure on a lot of the other states, especially in the SEC, um, to not fall behind on the recruiting side. So, you know, everyone down in the Southeast started passing their bills to go into effect on July 1st as well. I think there are about 12 or 13 back in spring that were on July 1st. And then we all know the, the Alston case, which was at the Supreme Court, not directly connected with NIL, but the Supreme Court handing that loss to the NCAA really kind of stripped them of whatever kind of power they had left. And they met and said, okay, starting July 1st, we're pulling our, um, our rule surrounding name image likeness. And if you have a state NIL law, that's what you will follow. And if you do not, it's up to the institution to write their policy, um, however they see fit. So that's kind of where we're at right now. What, what challenges are you seeing with, with NIL right now? A whole bunch. <laughs> um, it's kind of, I mean, whatever side you're looking at. So I think for the athletes outside of, you know, the 90 or outside of the 0.1% that are going to have brands breaking down their direct messages and saying, we want you because you're on TV, you have that celebrity and that big following. The other athletes, the challenges are really trying to figure out how to navigate this space. Um, obviously, for, for most athletes, it's not going to be life-changing money, but it is the right for them to go you know, outside of social media endorsements, they can run camps and clinics, private lessons. Um, they can start their own businesses, which we've seen some of that happen. Um, but really trying to figure out how to navigate and get started in this um, area is a challenge for them, staying within their state law, their institutional policy, and retaining their eligibility while pursuing these opportunities. Um, at the athletic department level, administration level, it's again really tough because you're following your state law, you've probably written your institutional policy, but the line of facilitation versus education is very, very blurred right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at one side, they want to gain that recruiting advantage, and on the other side, they don't want to be the one that's made an example by the NCAA if they decide to, you know, crack down on this, which we don't know if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, that, that was one of the things I thought about when it first happened was – NCAA kind of, it seemed, they just said, I'm done, but it seemed very open-ended that, you know, they may come back. Because what the, the the fear that, and I, I could be I could be off basis here because I haven't dove much into it since it happened, but you now have a school that, if I'm an alumni of, of, of Stanford uh, and I own a sandwich shop and there's a big, you know, a big top 10 recruit, all of a sudden Josh's sandwich shop sponsors this kid for 20 $25,000 a year as a sponsorship, but really it's because the coach reached out to me. I mean, are you seeing that? Is that happening? Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that was happening, you know, under, under the table before and yeah, it's kind true. of brought more to light now. And the tough part, I think with, um, you know, the NCAA and their interim NIL policy has three pieces to it. One is every opportunity has to have a quid pro quo. So you can't just give an athlete 25,000. They've got to, go endorse your sandwiches or, you know, name one after themselves. Um, the second piece being that you cannot induce athletes for enrollment or to continue enrollment at a school. Um, so saying, hey, if you come to the school, we'll pay you, you know, $50,000 a year or whatnot. Um, and then the last one being that there's no paper play, which I think maybe the paper play one is not, like the other two are very blurred right now because 
what's stopping a brand? Like you have your local, you know, uh, sandwich shop in Palo Alto. Obviously, a Stanford athlete would probably be the best one to promote your company. But they're saying, oh, you can't really say, you know, you have to go to the school or play this sport to um, have a deal. But at the same time, the company is looking for the greatest ROI they can get. Mm-hmm. So some of those things make sense from their marketing perspective. Um, just over the weekend, there was quite a bit of uh, drama around Miami's new deal. I think they're at $350,000 or whatnot. I think he pulled in 20 athletes um, to promote forget what it was. It's a brand new company that just popped up by a Miami fan and hmm. everyone's going, well, what's, what's the deal there? Um, but, and, and the guy who found it actually straight up came out and said, well, I want to make sure that our, our, these athletes don't enter the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, well, <laughs> and, and right now there's nothing that can be done about it. So the NCAA supposedly is looking into the BYU um, deal uh, Miami for the first one out of the gates in July, which was $500 per athlete for football players. And then just recently Oregon as well. But in my mind, they're just really trying to gather information and build a case so that they can go lobby Congress and the Senate and say, we need a federal NIL bill, because I don't think the NCAA really has the power or the ability to pull this back without opening itself up to hundreds of millions of dollars of litigation. Yeah. Now, how is this different for, you know, let's look at NCAA, Division One, Two, and Three. How, do, how does it differ for each, for each division, or does it? Yeah, I mean, I think even looking at, you're looking at D1 and, and the revenue-generating sports, I think that those guys, they have more of celebrity just because they're on TV, but that's not saying that there isn't opportunities for all of the athletes. I think for the D1s and Olympic sports and then probably D2, D3, it's it's work. It's going to be a job. It's not something that they can just, you know, on July 1st, a lot of athletes came out, uh, posted on Instagram, like, my DMs are open. And you're like, that's not really how this works. Like, depending on what you want to do with your NIL, um, it's, you know, like, that's one of the questions I ask athletes first. What do you want to get out of this? Is it just like a quick buck? Do you want to um, work on your network? Do you want to build your resume? Um, some of the life skills that you can take with you after you graduate? And once they identify that, then it's going, okay, if it's a quick buck, it's probably through social media endorsements where you're just, you know, holding up a product. If it's more of the networking and life skills, there's actually a great opportunity for athletes right now is there's so many NIL startups in this space that really, they can they can be, you know, involved with those companies and help with some of their decisions and gain that, that kind of entrepreneurial um, benefit and also get to know some of the, the CEOs that are probably going to be in the space for a while. So, um yeah, I think it's available to all athletes, but it, it will differ as anything in life does yeah. um, in terms of the amount of work and, and effort they need to put in. Now, is this, how is this, and in, in, in Tyler, you know, Tyler's in the NA, um, regional staff coach of the year, but are you, um, is this affecting NAIA or the junior colleges as well, in, or is it just NCAA? Yeah, so actually NAIA um, passed their NIL, so many acronyms, uh, law in October of 2020. So they were before, about nine months before um, NCAA, and there was an NAIA volleyball player who was the first to to monetize her NIL, Chloe Mitchell. Um, And so I think in the same regard, it's it's an an opportunity that's now afforded to all athletes to take advantage of. Um, I think that even looking at the type of deals that would be done, you know, 99% of them are going to be local um, opportunities. But what I tell, you know, college athletes that come to me, they're like, oh, there's no opportunities for me. I'm like, at the very least, you are a role model 
for someone back home. Um, and that's, you know, someone at your high school or your club level or whatnot is looking up and going, you made it, you are a college athlete and they want to learn from you, whether that's just mentorship or going, you know, back home for summer and helping out with your high school camp or, you know, running some private lessons, whatever that might look like. I think that there are those opportunities out there, but they've got to be willing to do the work. Yeah. Now, Tyler, are you seen is this coming up with within your recruits or is this how, how has this affected you? How much has this affected you guys? Yeah, not not necessarily the recruiting side of things. I'm not I'm not sure I've ever had that question asked actually in any recruiting visit. Um, but once the athletes have been at the college, um, yeah, there has been questions and there have been and we had uh, we had two of our players have to fill out the paperwork. Uh, or the, the official form that the NAIA provides to show them um, that, that they are, in fact, partnering with, I think one of our girls was like a, I don't some sort of granola bar company, <laughs> I think. So, yeah, and so it, it definitely happens. And, you know, we, same thing on like our football team has an NFL prospect. He's pretty good. Uh, and so, you know, he had been contacted by a couple uh, groups or companies or businesses. And, and so he also filled out the paperwork. So, a lot of it on our side right now is just kind of, you know, the due diligence of making sure that we identify those athletes and that they're doing uh, what they're supposed to do to let them know that this is something that they're going to take part in. Are they handling it the right way, Michelle? By that? By that? Yeah. So it's an interesting, um, so I, I actually just started at San Diego State as their NIL coordinator two months ago. Um, and so now I'm working within uh, the administration and seeing, you know, those disclosures come through and, it's like, I think that the disclosures, it's, are we getting them all from yeah. the athletes? I know that it's not happening, but um, at the same time, it's there to kind of protect them as well. Like, at least in, at San Diego State, it's not um, like we're highly recommending that they disclose, but it's nothing that we can do. But I, I try to give the example. Um, last month, uh, there was, I think, an advertisement up on Facebook that used like the city skyline of San Diego. And it had all of our football athletes like names in that skyline. And so that was easy enough for them to send over and be like, Hey, did we get any right. like disclosures right. for this? Did they partner with this company? Which would be totally fine and within the rules. Um, but it's easy enough to say, okay, like we didn't. So this company is just using their names without um, any permissions. And now it's like, okay, we should probably send more like a cease and desist or have that not happening. So it's, it's tough because those kind of situations are one-off and I think it's going, you know, it's so much extra work just to fill out this form where it takes me 10, 15 minutes and what's the point. But I think that it's there for a good reason as well. So let's talk about what you do. We've talked a lot about what the NIL is and, and, and the, the, so let's, in the NIL, yours is the nilnetwork.com. So what is it, what is it that, that you do, um, and kind of how do you help athletes and what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So I started an NIL network um, in November of 2020, really just because all of these deadlines were coming quickly and I didn't feel like enough people were talking about all the changes. And I'd been following it closely since California passed along in 2019. Uh, and there was all kinds of hype around it at that point. I think due to COVID, it kind of got swept under the rug. Not many people were understanding like the, the changes that were coming. Um, and so over the past little over a year, um, I've really just been trying to gather resources, been meeting with a ton of the NIL companies in the space um, and trying to understand their business models and really just trying to create a, a network in space to bring more transparency to this 
industry. Um, I think in order for it to be successful, there needs to be a lot more transparency and making sure that we're lifting up the companies that are doing really great work and that the athletes know that they're out there to help them. Um, and so my top resource on there is definitely the, the service um, athlete service provider directory, which is kind of like the, the Yelp of NIL, if you will. Uh, I've got, I think it's like 270 companies out there uh, so far that are looking to work directly with college athletes. And I've had them, you know, complete their profile, talk a little bit about their business model. Um, and I'm looking to do some more things to just make sure that you know, those companies are getting in front of their, their target audience. And then also that athletes can understand what they need and who they should be. So, so athletes would reach out to to you or do you you work with both so if i if i'm a collegiate athlete i could reach out to the nil network reach out to you and say hey i'm i'm looking i'm looking to into this nil stuff uh, and you would connect me with primo sandwich shop whatever that is um with brands i've got Quite a list of brands actually that want to do some advertising on the website. I'm not um, really, I probably will look to launch that maybe halfway through this year or whatnot. But really, for example, so I'm at San Diego State or wear my San Diego State hat. An athlete comes in and goes, Hey, I got this contract. Can you review it for me uh, for language that makes sure I'm not getting taken advantage of or whatnot? And as an employee of this, uh, the institution, I actually shouldn't be reading that contract and telling them, like giving them the thumbs up or whatnot because it opens up some liability for the school. Um, what I also shouldn't be saying is, oh, I have an attorney friend down the street. Um, he can read your contract for you. Because if that also goes poorly, then the athlete can come back and, and sue the athletic department. So what I'm building with NIL Network is a space where um, the administrators like myself, I could go, hey, go to NIL Network. You can filter by legal services or contract vetting or whatever the different services they're looking for and find somebody who's in the space and then you know research those 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever how many attorneys are up there so far to find one that works with them. So I'm really just trying to aggregate kind of everyone who is working in the space so that they have a place to, to filter by whatever they're looking for um, and to and to then get in touch and utilize some of those services. And really my message to those, I've probably met with over a hundred of the NIL companies now and I'm like, you guys are doing amazing stuff. You have amazing services, but if the athletes don't know where to get started with this, nobody's going to succeed. And it's, something that I know that it's a competitive space and a lot of people even, you know, who popped up startups and whatnot, but I'm really trying to spread a message. Like let's, let's all work on this together and make sure that we're taking care of the athletes. And so that they can go and then utilize some of these great things you guys have put together. Hmm. Tyler, you look like you had a question there. <laughs> I'm taking, I'm taking it all in. Um, yeah. And I, so is this, this is something that as, you know, as a coach, I could provide uh, the website with my team and they could get more information about it. And if they're interested in, in joining the space, like you said, and this would be a good start. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the service provider director, I think is really, really helpful. Um, and then I have another one up there that's institutions and NIL. So that one's more for administrators who are looking to understand what schools and their conferences are doing with NIL, what their competitors are doing what kind of resources they're providing for their athletes, whether that's a partnership with Open Doors or Influencer or um, like what's been popping up now are these uh, like university-specific platforms that the school actually isn't involved with, but it's been the newest trend. I think there's around 30 now um, across the country and I'm just trying to pull all that stuff together so everyone can get an understanding of it. So the, so the, the Miami story that you said, when they said they paid every single football player 
every single football player did something um, for that that brand that that recognized their name, image, or likeness. Every single player. Yeah, so it was offered, I think it was to scholarship football athletes. I don't know how many actually signed on out of the 85 or whatnot, but it was $500 a month, I think, for a year to promote. Uh, the guy had like an MMA gym or a line of gyms. So the idea was that they were doing social media endorsements, which brings up a whole nother question of who's monitoring yeah. that? Because, yeah. you know, like I, I feel that um, the, the guy who brought up the steal, a big booster for Miami, um, so he – his whole thing was like, bring back the U. How can we build the program through NIL? Um, and so, like, you know, he's going to set it up correctly and he has a quid pro quo in place. But if that's actually something the athletes are doing, I don't like compliance in Miami isn't going to monitor that. Um, it really would be the brand. But if the brand doesn't care as much about the ROI and they're doing it for some other reasons, it's like, well, you don't know. <laughs> well, and, and, and the, the booster gets weird because. You know, booster programs have not been allowed to give money to athletes, and, and, and you know, and, and so now you got these booster programs. It, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it was such a weird space right now because yeah, if if you're a member of the booster club for for in the the, the University of Miami and and now they're giving kids five hundred bucks a month in your booster. I mean, that is a because a booster. For I mean, just for quick, you know, the quick rundown. A booster is is, is can be a technical representative of of the university, um, and so now you you have a representative of the university who owns this gym and saying, "Hey, here's five hundred bucks a month, entire football team," <laughs> and and there's like you said, there's nothing they can do right now, and like who's monitoring that? Who's you know? And maybe you're right, Michelle, because you brought you said something interesting. Like it was it was happening before, and now it's like. It's like I think when something becomes legal, you know, and, and like right, yeah, there's some paperwork it. behind it now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're just going to sign something to make yourself feel better about it. But um, it was, I mean, but yeah, it's crazy that. Yeah. Spring, maybe uh, Johnny Menzel came out with like his story about I think he got like 30k for signing mm-hmm. autographs or whatnot. And as I'm reading that story, I'm like, at least nil perhaps creates a safer space for these athletes. Cause his story about like getting the guys like hotel key card, just from like walking by this dude on the street and he goes up to this room and all of the, you know, memorabilia is out there for him to sign. He has to take a picture of all signed. And the guy gives him a code to the lockbox where that's where the 30 K in cash is. I'm like, for like a 20 year old kid, this is intense. Like, yeah. yeah. And so at least now it's like, I don't know, hopefully a little, I I love it. I do, especially especially the big name athletes that you know the Menzels that that are are, are you know, the the schools really capitalize on it, and and so I, I like it. And, I, and I think in the the smaller you know the space, one of the things that you know because we think big time, we think five hundred bucks a month, and, and then you mentioned the smaller thing. Players previously couldn't come home and run a camp. They couldn't say you know I'm in St. Louis, so they say hey you know Josh Shelley with SLU University is going to be at this camp. They couldn't even do that. And so now the simplest thing is, hey, they can use that name. And like you said, it may not be 500 bucks a month, but it's something easy that you can use your name. I'm, I'm a member of the SLU men's soccer program who finished top four in the country. I'm going to run a camp. And, and you couldn't even do that before. So I think, I mean, those little things that 
you know, yeah, those top 1% athletes are getting 500 bucks a month for smiling on Instagram, but the, the, the normal athlete can still capitalize on this, right? And, and, and in a very, in a very simple way, like you said, there's going to be some work, but I think, I think even, you know, NAI, like you know, Tyler, I mean, there's every athlete can capitalize on this at some level, right? And like one program that I really think has done a nice job, um, market price is one of these, uh, digital marketplaces and they do national brands and athletes all over the country, but they have launched like market price, Florida for university of Florida athletes. Any athlete can opt in, um, and then local businesses can opt in, and they set up events like every two weeks, and all athletes will get paid the same amount or just like a free meal or whatnot to like make an appearance. And it's just little things like that I think are really impactful for most college students in general that they can now go and get a free meal and um, not have to worry about their twenty bucks or hundred bucks or whatever that might look like. That you know to. Or like once they get out, obviously to the business world, they're working full time. Maybe that's not as impactful. But for these college students who are full time students and then full time athletes, well, it also benefits the college, and that's where you know the colleges might have been fighting this too as a part of uh, the separation factor. But it does benefit the college when your representatives of your school via athletics are going out into the community, um, making through roads in the community, even if it's a social network community. Right. Well, that, pro, that player plays for Florida. Right. So that might bring a few extra people into a, a football or basketball or volleyball game that, that wouldn't have done that before. And so there is still benefits to you know, the colleges themselves, which in turn benefits the NCAA if you know, they were ever to see it that way. We engage some alumni who, you know, maybe weren't as engaged anymore or like local businesses that are potentially priced out of being that corporate sponsorship level, but they can support the university and the athletes by doing the small things here or there. And potentially then they're, you know, getting more engaged with the university as the years go on. So I think there are opportunities for the university, but we'll just have to see kind of how that plays out. Cause I guess on the other side, the big fear is kind of the, like we're talking about the donor dollars. So is there going to be a reallocation of that money or is it something that'll grow? I think it's hard to say at this point. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, I mean, also a company pops up. Like, so I'm a I'm a big supporter of this, and I and I am, and and you know, the the fear, you know, the, the fears in NCAA changing, and then there's a lot of kids. I mean, my my, I mean, ultimately, my concern is the, is the kids, because um, I know previously, if that you know, if there's a recruitment violation, the 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 player's the one who ultimately suffers, um, and they don't know. You look at Menzel, he's a 20 year old kid, and and someone's offering all that money, you know, and someone's telling him, hey, it's okay to do it. You know, and, and even the simplest thing. So I, I think I really like it, but it is, it's going to be interesting that all of a sudden a shell company comes about and it's the boosters and everyone. And now all of a sudden this marketing company is paying 500 bucks a month for the entire kids. And, and, and that gets, and, and right now that, that's the part that scares me for this kids because there's no regular, who, who, who turns them in? Like, so this guy went on and said, yeah, I'm trying to stop kids from going to transfer portal. There's no, there's no regulation of it. There's no one to say, Hey, wait a second. You can't do that. And so I think that's the interesting part. And that was one of my final questions is, you know, how fast is this changing and what is that going to do? And I mean, I don't know if we know Oh, motion sensor in the room, <laughs> but I mean, how fast is this changing? And yeah, <laughs> man, like like I said, now over just like this past weekend, I take one day off of reading about NIL and I am like so far behind. Um, 
But just over the weekend, there was the, the Miami deal. There was the quote-unquote investigation of the Oregon um, Division Street. That they like Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, set that up there for those athletes. So, looking into that, um, it seems like every every week there is a, a headline NIL type thing that's pushing um, the boundaries even more. And totally agree with you. It's a hundred percent the right thing to do. Doesn't mean it's not going to have you know bumps mm-hmm. in the road um, for probably I don't know the first five years or so. Uh, as everyone navigates this new space, because it's it's so different too. If you're talking about the revenue generating athletes, um, football and basketball, versus our Olympic sport athletes that maybe aren't impacted as much by it, but still have the right to do it um, and can get after and make some make some good money. So, um, yeah, it's a definitely interesting one. The other the other one I wanted to mention to you guys. I don't know if you've heard about the the Texas uh, booster deal. <laughs> Where they they have two of them. One is paying every offensive lineman fifty thousand dollars a year um, to yeah uh, promote uh, charities. I don't know. Um, and then they've also put together they pledge ten million dollars a year to go to straight to Texas athletes. I don't know how that's going to be broken up or allocated, but this is like the biggest fund so far. Ohio State has uh, they have one coming out maybe this week, maybe next week that they've said is the biggest NIL pot of money so we'll see kind of what they do apparently texas a&m had 25 million dollars oh, oh well and how much how much power do you, has the ncaa just lost because i'm with you like when you you mentioned you know it came about because because California started challenging it, and all of a sudden these you know florida these two big states and it seems like the ncaa just went i, I don't know what to do you guys deal with it, but they—I mean, how much power have they just lost? Because like I said, I don't know if they can ever get this power back. I mean, I think that their big thing is pushing uh, Congress for a federal NIL law, which I don't think is going to happen this year. Being election year, I don't really see it happening at the beginning of next year. I would say at the earliest, a year and a half. Um, but even then, it's—I think that's a bit of a stretch, um, just because how divided uh, Republicans and Democrats are on what should be included in that federal NIL bill. So even if they prioritize it. It's- yeah, and it would, still, wouldn't it, it would still separate college athletes from the rest of society, right? And so federally, if we've already taken the step this direction to say like, hey, they're, <laughs> they're citizens too, I don't see it regressing to back to like, oh, well, they are citizens, but they're college kids. So I think Josh is right. I think, and maybe you, you can tell us differently, but it's created a slippery slope where, you know, are we looking at it where the, the, the boosters that pay the most money get the best kids moving forward? Yeah, but I guess it's just kind of shifting from what it was before that the, the schools with the biggest budgets that can invest in the stadiums and the locker rooms and da-da-da were getting the best recruits and kids. I thought that was kind of funny last, what was it, last week or the week before when um, Alabama and Georgia's football coaches came out and we need a federal NIL bill. It's going to, you know, if we don't have that, it's going to create disadvantages for uh, other programs and recruiting. You're like, are you sure this isn't just because Texas has deeper boost pockets than Alabama? I mean, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. It's, Oh, man, I tell you, uh, maybe we'll talk again Saturday at the convention and everything has changed again. Um, 
you know, but uh, we, we have, we've been joined by Michelle Meyer. She's the founder of the NIL Network. It is a crazy landscape out there. I think ultimately the um, the goal with NCAA, hopefully, and, and everyone is protected to protect the athletes because ultimately they are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, and a lot of um, are coming from uh, never, you know, making $5 an hour to now some hand, someone handing them $50,000. So hopefully it gets figured out that everyone is 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 everyone kind of gets through it. Um, Tyler, any final words before you let Michelle no, thanks, finish it up? Michelle was fantastic today. Love the information. I could probably go another hour. I like yeah. the, I like the communication law stuff. I'm a nerd that way. So great stuff. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me. It's a fun chat. I can't get enough of this. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and you can head to the N uh, N I L network.com nilnetwork.com to help navigate through it um i'm sure you can reach out to michelle with it with the questions and try as we try to figure out what the heck is uh is going on with this situation uh, and um so uh, michelle thanks for coming tyler as always and uh, we will see you guys in uh we're gonna see you guys in kansas city